listeners, I hope that you're all having a great day out there and staying safe and healthy. One question that we often hear about when we talk to victims of domestic violence is asking what they can do about their pets. Sometimes, unfortunately, in abusive situations, things might happen where the pets are put in danger or put in risk because of that abusive situation as well. This can make it very difficult for people to leave or come into safe house. They might worry that if they leave their pets behind that they might be harmed or maybe even killed by the abusive partner, but they might not know what options they have. Maybe they have a safe place to go that won't allow them to bring the pets with them. So we do hear that as a concern a lot with people wanting to stay because they want to keep their pets safe from the abusive partner. So we are going to be talking today with the executive director, Carmine DeCenso of Deacon Humane Society, which is located in Springfield and Leverett, Massachusetts. That happens to be close to us being right over the border. So it's a close resource for us to use. There are other programs that offer services that are similar too. So if you're in a different area, you could talk to the hotline and connect with those services as well. But we're gonna ask a couple questions about a program that they offer that helps to keep animals safe during that transition and some other ways that they support animals. So for anybody listening who might be in an abusive or unhealthy situation and is considering possibly leaving or safety planning or some different options for them, we do want to help you know what's available for the pets that you might have and some things that you might be able to do with that to keep them safe. So again, we're going to be talking today with Carmine He has worked in animal welfare since 1996, and prior to that has worked in human services as well. So there's a wealth of knowledge in different ways to help people and animals. We really appreciate them taking the time to provide this interview for us and to answer some of these questions. And we look forward to hearing what they have to say. So thank you for listening and hopefully we'll get some great information out of this. Thank you so much for taking the time to speak with us today. Can Thank you, you for having me. Can you tell us a little bit more about your role with Deakin and what types of services they provide? Sure. So I am Deakin's executive director, so that means I am in charge of everything that makes Deakin operate, from fundraising to you know, the care we provide to animals and other clients we serve, and uh, just about everything that keeps the organization up and running. So Deacon is best known for um, our probably our intake where we you know can take animals in from folks who are experiencing a challenge or, or can't just not a big fit in their home anymore and then we put them through our adoption program. Although that's becoming less and less of what we do, more of what we're doing now are really programs that support people and pets where they are. Um, some examples of that are we have a pet food aid program, so that provides free dog or pet food. Um, to anyone that maybe experienced any kind of, you know, financial difficulty or, you know, anything uh, really, it's pretty easy. We don't make it hard. If, if you're in need and need some pet food, we're going to give it to you. So we distribute it directly through our adoption centers, but also with other food pantries uh, throughout the Wanger Valley. We also offer uh, a host of veterinary services that are aimed at helping people that might, again, have a financial challenge. and. You know, the last thing we want to see is someone separate from their animal because of some challenge in their life. And, you know, so more of what we do is aimed at keeping, um, you know, animals in the homes that they're happy in 
And if we can provide services, whether that's behavioral advice, uh, veterinary support, we will do those things to help folks. That sounds like a great program. How would um, people be able to reach out to you if they were interested in something like that? Really, the best way to um, reach out to us would be either either to our Facebook page or but really to our website, and that would have our main email, and that's you know, they um, be able to contact our animal resource counselors and they can connect you to any service that we might have available and, you know, talk to you. And if we don't have it available, should be able to help you, guide you through where that service could be provided for you and your animal. But that's really the best way. Phones um, are not the best way. Our phones are constantly busy. Um, mm-hmm. We find we can connect with people a lot quicker through email. Um, so that's usually where we direct people. But of course, you know, people can call if they need to, but the, the best way to get to us is going to be through email. That sounds really great. And I imagine, especially right now with a lot of people having more financial difficulty, that that must be really helpful. Yeah, you know, in particular, uh, two things that have been very, very busy during COVID and we've boosted up our services and our vaccine clinics. Uh, so those we offer low cost vaccinations and other services to you know, help keep uh, animals healthy. You know, typically we were running those about once a week um, when they started up again, once we could, you know, obviously we're doing it curbside in that way. They were doing two a week and they're filling. I think at this point we're filled, you know, into October. And the other is our pet food bank. Normally, like in a normal year, we would hand out about 27,000 pounds of food. At this point, we've already handed well over 60,000 pounds of food um, because there has been a need. So we know that that's a program we've put a lot of resources into because we, you know, I think the financial strain will continue to go on. So we want to make sure we can help folks. And again, we last thing we want them to do is have to not have their animal anymore. So, you know, by providing food, that helps um, them financially and keeps the animal with them. You know, that, that's what we want to do. Oh, that's great. That sounds like a really big increase. And it's good that you're able to help people with that. One of the things and where I work with with victims of domestic violence is that they, like many people, don't want to lose their pets or to have to leave them. But sometimes when they're trying to look for safe housing, they might run out of options. And I know that you have a program for that as well. Could you tell us a little bit more about that and how it came about? Yeah, it's it's called the uh, SPAN program. That's the Safety Plan for Animals. And that program was, you know, it originated for that very reason, um, identify, you know, identifying that there are people that might need to leave the situation, but don't because, uh, you know, fear what will happen to their animals um, if they were to leave the situation. And as you said, you know, going to a shelter somewhere, those animals are not often accepted. So it was a way to kind of help with that situation. Um, and, you know, since its inception, it has grown a bit and it does help other situations as well. So, you know, um, it's, it's kind of a case by case basis as what it can help with. But really, the, the goal is to provide temporary foster to someone that's experiencing, you know, immediate crisis. And then the goal would be to reunite them with their animal at the end of, um, end of that fostering period. Uh, so what, for people that might be a little worried, what would the fostering look like? What would happen with the animal while they were there? So with the, um, with the SPAN program, we do not keep the animals in the shelter for a number of reasons. Um, one of them being is, um, you know, the, the shelter is designed really to have animals come in, cared for, and move out through the adoption. 
you know, in sheltering an animal long term is not a good thing for that animal. So with the foster, you know, they're certainly going to be more comfortable in foster. But we also do that because um, if someone were to come in looking for that animal, we don't want them in our shelter at that time. It's better to put them into foster so that, that there isn't a situation where someone, a partner, might come looking and saying, my dog is here, my cat is here. Um, so when they're in foster, and we always keep, you know, everything is confidential for anything. So if, anyone, if someone were to come to us because they were moving or they just couldn't keep their cat or dog anymore, we never disclose who brought us that animal or that animal has been there. Uh, and most certainly with the SPAN program, we keep that confidentiality as well. That's good to hear. If somebody needed to use that, how would they sign up to use the program? Is there any requirements they'd need to know about? Yeah, no, that's a good question. Really, ideally, it's best to work through an agency. So if, uh, you know, specifically in a domestic violence situation, if someone is, you know, heading into a shelter or working with an agency, uh, that is usually the smoothest transaction, and that agency can contact us and kind of set everything up and help it go through. People can call or actually, you know, contact the shelter directly to talk about their specific situation, and then we can kind of determine um, if this animal is appropriate for that program. So one of the things um, people should know about the program is we, if animals are not spayed and neutered or have vaccines, we can offer that for free. We would certainly get them current on vaccines, you know, certainly rabies and, and distemper, those kind of vaccines are important, and we would not charge for that. We would do that, and you know, if the client did wish to have the animal spayed and neutered, we would also do that for free. Um, and you're really one of the, and again, like I said, every case is different, but one of the things I can determine is, you know, animals do need to be behaviorally safe. Mm -hmm. So aggressive animals can't be put into this program. So, um, and that's for safety. Obviously, we can't have our foster homes at risk of being, you know, attacked or bitten. So that is one of the criteria. The animal does need to be behaviorally safe. Um, so that that is something that the resource counselors would go over with folks that are interested in the program. Are there any um, like guidelines as to what kind of pets would be accepted or any pets that someone might have? Yeah, I mean, it, it's primarily dogs and cats, but we have had spirits and guinea pigs. Um, I believe we've even had birds come through it. I would probably say like a, some of our limitations are we don't have a lot of resources for like reptiles just because of their special level of care. Um, but it is, it is primarily dogs and cats, like I said, we have had other other animals, so uh, it's always worth the conversation, letting us know. You know, certainly anything, you know, not not like farm-type animals or anything we wouldn't be able to do, like pigs or chickens, like we just don't have the ability to do those types of animals, but most companion animals we can. Okay. And how long are people usually able to use that service for? So it is designed to be temporary, uh, and really what we start is 30 days or a month. You know, it's, it's really just kind of bridging the gap between people trying to figure out their situation and then getting to the next place. Now, of course, like I've said multiple times, every case is different. So, you know, we would have to talk to an individual or whatever. Really, the goal is to have it be temporary, that bridge gap where we can't have the animals that are, you know, in our system for months and months and months. Uh, it ends up really not being fair to the animal, the foster home, and um, really holds that up. Um, and also, it, it limits our ability to help others in that way. So, you know, again, everything's going to be case by case, but for the most part, really a month is what it's aimed to do. What would happen if an owner wasn't able to get their pet back, like if things kept happening? 
So generally in, mo in most cases, then the animal would be, you know, kind of surrendered to the shelter and then go through our adoption program and be placed up for adoption. That's, I'm assuming, something that the person would be able to talk through and be part of the decision with, though. Yes, I mean, you know, they certainly would be. Um, but, you know, again, if it got to the point where there were no options for that animal to go back, then, you know, that animal can't just be held waiting. So a decision, but right, that would be, you know, that would be very clearly stated, you know, when that would happen. Like, I, you know, this date, just as when the animal would then become uh, the adoption center's animal to find a new home for. If we had somebody listening that was in a situation that might be dangerous for their pet, but not ready to leave or use these services, do you have any tips you could think of that would just keep them safer at home? That's a really good question. And I think, you know, every case is going to be different there, but you know, the animals unfortunately um, become a target because that is a way to hurt that individual, right? You know, if you care for your animal and someone's hurting your animal, it's a way of hurting you. Um, so it's, it's really hard to separate that. I mean, I think trying to shield the animal from uh, the the abuser as much as possible. So if it is possible to maybe, you know, if you have a cat, that maybe you keep them in just a room that's kind of like a little, like their own little safe space. Or, you know, really just trying to be aware of having the animal be as low-key as possible, which is, you know, easier said than done in some cases. Yeah. But, you know, if you have a dog that's kind of really hyperactive, try getting some, like, really good interactive toys like Kongs or, um, you know, you basically send a little puzzle games that the dog has to think so they'll just kind of sit there chewing, doing on those toys and playing with them rather than, like, bounding around the house, which might, you know, aggravate someone. Um, again, it's really hard because, again, I think in most situations you're looking at the animal's being abused is to hurt the person. Mm -hmm. um, and, you know, it's kind of the start of our conversation is that's why people don't leave because out of fear, I mean, obviously the, the bond between people and animals is so strong and um, people really care about their animals. And you know, when you think about that, they might have themselves in an unsafe, unsafe situation because out of fear of their animal, that's, that's really strong. And again, one of the reasons we, we, you know, many other shelters have programs like this to, to help people. You know, I think people think of animal shelters and humane societies as just helping animals, but really we look at it as like our job is to help people and animals. And, you know, because without, without people, you know, they're, uh, who's caring for these companion animals. And we also know how much they bring to people's lives. So, it's, you know, really the work we do, we consider both people and animals. That's good. I think that these are a lot of really great programs that could help a lot of people out there. Are there any ways that the like general public could help support these programs and help you with keeping them going? Yeah, that, that's a wonderful question. Thank you for asking that. So as I had mentioned, you know, the services we offer, whether we're vaccinating, caring for the animals, obviously we provide all their food, care, medications, anything they need. Um, we don't charge for that. Um, we are a nonprofit, so we don't get money from the state or the government to do what we do. So people that do want to help, certainly um, donations are always helpful. Monetary donations will allow us to kind of use those funds in a way to best serve the needs. Um, or, you know, in-kind donations, we have an Amazon wish list with supplies. But, you know, caring for animals for months does get costly. And, you know, the more support we can get, the more we can do. And one of the things actually I didn't mention is during 
these times, the SPAN program uh, several times has been used for people that were uh, COVID positive and needed to be hospitalized. We have, have cared for several animals in situations like that where people had to be hospitalized and didn't have a caregiver. Um, so that, that was just another example of how that program was able to allow an animal to not have to go to another home but be held by, while someone was healing and then go back to that person. Are there other situations that would be included with that program too? Yeah, I mean, you know, we certainly um, have seen folks that may have experienced like a house fire or some kind of temporary loss of home. Um, you know, maybe, again, another kind of medical procedure where they need to be hospitalized, don't have a caregiver to, you know, watch their animal. You know, in those situations, we always will um, talk to people. If it is a case like that where someone maybe is being hospitalized for a short period, um, it's actually better for animals if they're cared for in their own homes. So if someone were to have a cat, we would try to connect with people with resources or, or see if it's friends or family that could care for that animal because it's going to be less stressful for that animal to be in their own home mm -hmm. um, than to, you know, it's going to be scary to go to a foster home and come to the shelter. Um, so if those can happen, we try to, again, help people walk through that situation. Oh, that's great. If people do want to help with donations or with the Amazon wish list, would your website be the best place for that? That really is the best place, yeah. So it's just DakinHumane, D-A-K-I-N, humane.org. And that is really kind of the best, you know, there you can find the donate page that links to all sorts of other ways to help if you can't you know, give a monetary donation, other ways to help and, and help support, again, both people and animals. Great. Well, thank you for taking the time to teach us some of this. I think these are really helpful services, and it's great to get the information out there so that more people will know about them. Well, thank you for the time. I really appreciate talking about it and really um, appreciate the work you're doing as well. So thank you for having me. Thank you. Thank you again to Deacon Humane Society for taking the time to do that interview and share some of this great information with us and also for all of the wonderful programs that they have. I definitely learned a lot more than I knew before about some of the things that they're providing and I'm really grateful to hear that those options are available for people with their pets in especially in some of these difficult times not only with domestic violence but with the COVID-19. So it's really great to hear that information and all the wonderful things that they're doing in the community. If you're interested in supporting them, please feel free to follow through with the recommendations and the interview. In the written description of this podcast, I am also going to put down some of the information for them so that you're able to go to their website or to contact them if you're interested in using these services or in finding out ways to help them. So all of that is great to hear. If you have any follow-up questions, please feel free to send them our way, either through the messages through here or through our social media. We will look through those and be happy to address them in a future episode or through a comment directly. We can also always be in touch with Dakin Humane Society to get those questions answered too. So thank you very much for listening. I hope that you're all continuing to have a good day out there and that you'll be able to tune in for the next episode. Have a good day.